Good morning. Welcome to the Investing Insights podcast. I'm Mallory Posey, and I'm joined by John Posey, who is Senior Vice President Wealth Management and the Head Portfolio Manager of our team, as well as the Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor for 2023, as well as David Lefkowitz, who is our Head of Equities and our Chief Investment Office at UBS. So this is our first quarterly podcast series. We'll be sharing the insights of the markets, as well as hosting key speakers to get their thoughts and ideas on timely topics in the financial market. A replay will be available shortly on our website, as well as Apple and Spotify. So the purpose of this call is to do a mid-year market update and an outlook for the remainder of the year. And in the next 20 to 30 minutes, we're going to cover the Fed and inflation, the looming recession, and if we think that the Fed can pull off a soft landing, the sectors that we prefer in the upcoming year, the U.S. dollar strength, and key topics such as AI. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Our market outlook for the remainder of this year, we'll get to that in a second before, I'd like to look backwards. So John, could you describe the market in 2022 and where we are so far in 2023? Sure. So 2022 was a very tough year in the financial markets. It wasn't really much of a place to hide in 2022. And that was a result of a couple of things. One is we had inflation that originally thought was transitory and found out later that it was not. And then we had the Fed that had to respond to that inflation. And they did so by raising interest rates seven times throughout the year. We started essentially with the Fed funds rate at zero and the Fed raised interest rates to over 5% by year end. So with a rising interest rate environment, Stocks had a lot of headwinds, bonds had a lot of headwinds, and going into this year, the Fed has continued on that pace. They've raised interest rates twice so far this year, pausing in June. Chairman Powell has forecasted that they probably have two more rate hikes here in 2023. So I think the markets are responding a little bit better positively this year because we know that if not at the end, we're very close to the end of these rate hikes. And it seems to be working. Inflation is coming down. We have inflation year over year, 4% is the last number. I think the markets have responded positively in the first part of this year as a sign that we may be close to the end. Great. David, I'll go ahead and kick it over to you. Like John was saying before, the S&P has rallied more than 10% this year. Is the equity rally that we've seen sustainable? What do you see as a market outlook for equities for the remainder of the year and then into 2024? Yeah, thanks, Mallory, and, and thanks for having me. My pleasure to be here. Yeah, so I I think in terms of understanding the outlook from here, I think it's important to just also think about what's been driving the gains this year. And John talked about this a bit in terms of the fact that inflation's getting better. The Fed is probably near the end of its hiking cycle. I also think there's been a, a few other factors. I think the economic growth has been more durable than, you know, frankly, I think almost every, let's put it this way, the consensus believes. You can see that in looking at things like the unemployment rate has continued to be quite low. We really haven't seen any degradation in the you know, the number of jobs being added or the number of people losing jobs. I mean, it's a little bit, some cooling off there, but not as bad as what people were expecting. So the economy has been somewhat durable or better than expected. I would also say, you know, the corporate profits have also been better. John talked about the interest rate headwinds that we saw in 2022. But the other thing that we saw is that expectations for corporate profit growth were continuing to ratchet lower in 2022. And in the most recent quarter, we've really seen 
a bit of a pickup, a reversal of that trend. And now companies are really guiding for potentially a reacceleration in profit growth. So that's also been an important driver here. Obviously, AI, right? I mean, and I know, I think we're going to talk about that in a little bit later, but clearly a lot of enthusiasm about the AI opportunity, which is really impacting just a handful of, of mega cap stocks. And then I would also say, just to add to the laundry list of things that have been going on, you know, we had some really previously depressed sentiment and positioning. So there was cash on the sidelines that was perhaps waiting for some period to get back in. So if I think about all those things that have changed, that's what's driven the market higher. I think the question from here is that, are those drivers still going to be in place going forward? I would say the disinflation is probably getting later in the tooth, right? I mean, John talked about how much we've seen an improvement in inflation. I mean, the question, I think the Fed, the easy job was getting inflation down from really elevated levels now to more comfortable, but still above target levels. I think the the question here is that how easy is it going to be to get inflation back to the Fed's target? I think that's still a bit uncertain. I would say sentiment is not nearly as depressed. We've seen a notable pickup in investor optimism. People are getting sucked back into the market. So that means if there's any hiccup, any bad news, markets could be vulnerable. And I would also say that stocks do seem a little bit ahead of fundamentals. You can look at this by looking at how high valuations are in the marketplace right now, almost 19 times earnings for people that look at a price to earnings ratio, that's pretty elevated. We could look at other factors, other measures that also would suggest something similar. So bottom lining this, you know, I think we're probably looking at, you know, maybe a new range in the market. Maybe we're at the higher end of that range kind of need to digest some of the gains that we've seen this year. And then 24 could be, you know, we could see the market move higher later this year or into 24. It's still very uncertain. I think it's very contingent on if the inflation really does go all the way back to 2% and the Fed can start cutting interest rates. That would certainly be a positive scenario and could propel stocks higher. But I would say at this point, you know, we're not making a strong call we think markets will largely be flattish kind of over the next 12 months. But yeah, what I'm saying is there is an upside case and it really hinges on inflation. At the same time, there is a downside case that eventually we do flip into recession. And we're, we're sort of in the middle thinking after a period of good gains, you know, we'll probably be a little bit more sideways from here. Sure, sure. And that actually leads into my next question. And David, thank you for being here. We appreciate it. John, I'll I'll kick this one over to you. Everyone's talking about a recession. When do you expect to see a recession? And what do you think that means for investors? Sure. Yeah. So there is obviously a lot of chatter about um, whether we'll hit this recession or not. I think if we do, it's probably the latter part of this year into the first part of next year. I agree with David. I, I think that Earnings have been coming in good, and that really drives the market long term. But if we do go into recession, I think it will be mild. I don't think it will be an extended recession. And, you know, what to expect from the markets? You know, typically, if we do go into recession, you know, the next move for the Fed would be to cut interest rates. And as we've seen in the past, typically when the Fed starts cutting interest rates, that typically is the beginning of the next bull market. So I don't think it's a negative thing for investors if we hit a mild recession. I think that uh, would actually potentially boost the market uh, long term with Fed doing the opposite of what they did last year, of raising interest rates. It'd be a good tailwind for equities. Sure, sure. David, there's been talk about a soft landing and if the Fed can pull off a soft landing. 
how do we know if and, and when that'll happen? How will we know? Yeah, I guess, Mallory, only in hindsight will we really know. But yeah, what I would stay very focused on, you know, I know sometimes you'll see in the popular press, oh, if we have two negative quarters of GDP growth or shrinkage in a row, that's a recession. I wouldn't focus on that. I would focus on what's going on with the job market, what's going on with the unemployment rate. If the unemployment rate starts to move up in a material fashion, just, you know, we're right around with three, seven, I think is the last number. I, I can't quite remember, but it's below four, three, seven, three, five in that range. If we get to the mid fours approaching five, I mean, that's going to start to feel recessionary. That's the factor I would be focused on. I think we may not see that happen. As John pointed out, it's hard to know, but we know there's still pretty good excess demand for labor. And that's what's been supporting this market and this jobs market and consumers still have excess savings and things like that. So, you know, I agree with John. I mean, you know, it's going to take some more time for the excess demand for labor and for the excess cash on consumer balance sheets to wind down. So if we do slip into recessions, probably the time frame that John put out makes sense. I would focus on what's going on with the labor market to determine if it's a soft landing or not. Sure. And David, we'll stick with you. Since you're head of equities, what equity sectors do you think investors should be positioning themselves in for the future and into 2024? What are the sectors that UBS prefers? Yeah, so I think it's important, Mallory, to really decompose the gains that we've seen this year. I'm sure many of the listeners have seen articles about this, but it's been a very narrow market. So only seven stocks, we call them the surging seven, only seven stocks account for over 80% of the gains this year in the S&P 500. Without these seven stocks, the S&P would only be up about 3%. And right now it's up about 14%. Another way of looking at this is that only 27% of stocks within the S&P 500 are beating the benchmark. Right, so it's been a very challenging environment for active managers to beat the indices. You know, from our perspective, we think it makes sense to start looking at some of the stocks that have not kept pace with the market. We call those the laggards, because if I think about it, let's just say we have a, a soft landing. If we have a soft landing, then some of the stocks that have not participated are probably going to get investor attention because many of those stocks are more economically sensitive. They're more, we call that more cyclical. And in a soft landing scenario, well, then investors will be more confident about the economy and likely feel more comfortable rotating into some of those more cyclical laggards. And that's why we upgraded the energy sector. For instance, we think oil prices have more upside risk than downside risk. You know, I'd also look at industrials. There's a lot of interesting and exciting things going on there with reshoring activity, you know, a lot of benefits from the infrastructure bill, the Inflation Reduction Act, defense spending looks like it's going to be well supported for certainly a period of time, probably a lengthy period of time. And if we get a soft landing, you know, you'll just see more generally a stronger outlook for those cyclical areas. And some of the defensives too. Let's say we have a hard landing. Well, those really expensive growth stocks and the tech stocks have been driving the market this year. Those valuations look really stretched, and I think you'd certainly see people rotate into defensive. So that's why we, we have a most preferred view on consumer staples. You know, these are companies selling soda and diapers and toothpaste, and you know, those types of businesses tend to be quite stable. They'll hold up much better on a relative basis if we do enter into a hard landing. So I would say be a little bit balanced in the positioning, but also be very cognizant of very elevated expectations in some of the market winners that we've seen so far this year. Great. Thank you, David.
So, John, CIO recently upgraded fixed income to the most preferred. And I know we use a lot of individual bonds with our clients currently. Have you been incorporating these into the portfolios to lock up some of those higher rates? Yeah, so it's interesting, as you point out, our research, UBS's research just recently upgraded fixed income or bonds to our most preferred and live investments. And I can't remember the last time we had fixed income is our most preferred. We've been in uh, the last 10 years of low interest rate environment and bonds had a tough time with this low interest rate environment. And so a lot of portfolios actually became a little bit unbalanced with reduction of fixed income and, and more going to equity. But I think right now it's, it's we probably perhaps are in the best timing of, and I don't like to time things, but as far as the best time in the last 10 years anyway to be looking at bonds, because I think if we're not at the end of the rate hike, we're pretty close to it. And I think that you can look in and lock in some of these rates. It's funny, the yield curve right now, you actually get a higher yield at the short end of the yield curve. But I've been recommending clients that we take advantage of these rates where they are right now, which are certainly elevated from previous, and lock in some of these rates because if we do slip into that recession, as I said earlier, the next move would be for the Fed to start cutting interest rates. So I think we're in a, a very good time to be locking in some of these rates that we have not seen for quite some time. We are using individual bonds as opposed to bond mutual funds because in the individual bonds, you lock in that rate and we have a set maturity date where the mutual funds, we don't lock in the rate and we don't have a set maturity date. So we've been taking advantage of, the, of this environment and I think it's a good time to be doing it. Yeah. No, I agree. So there's two big themes that I wanted David to touch on. The U.S. dollar has strengthened broadly over the past month. David, do you think the U.S. dollar strength will persist? Yeah, so Mallory, we don't. (laughs) We think we're going to be looking at a period of dollar weakness. I think there's a couple of key points here. I mean, first of all, the dollar is expensive. If you look at the dollar versus other currencies, we look at things, you know, something called purchasing power parity. You can think of that sort of like the Big Mac index, how much is the Big Mac here versus in Europe versus in Japan? And from that perspective, the dollar looks pretty expensive. Now, what's driven that expensiveness is the fact that the part of what we've been talking about throughout this time, the Fed has been very aggressive about raising rates. So foreign investors, if they invest in dollars, John talked about this, you can get a pretty attractive yield at the short end of the yield curve. And that's attracted capital into the United States and this is the dollar. As John was articulating, you know, we think we're near the end of those rate hikes, and we could be looking at rate cuts in the coming months and quarters. And that's going to reduce the appeal of the dollar and the shorter end of the yield curve. So for that reason, expensive dollar and also what we think is going to happen with the Fed, we think we're more likely going to see the, the dollar weaken from here. And, and I know sometimes this comes up. I know there was, you know, there's been concerns around Will the dollar retain its reserve status? I mean, we're not concerned about that. We think the dollar will remain a a crucial currency within the global financial system for many years and decades to come. We're just saying that, you know, we think because of what the Fed's going to do and the fact that the dollar is expensive, we could see some modest weakness in the dollar. Sure. And David, I, I left one of the hottest topics for last, artificial intelligence. Like I said, it was one of the hottest topics during the last quarterly earnings announcement. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this has been the the conversation. I just want to start out by saying, look, I think this is legit, right? In the sense that this is very different than blockchain and metaverse. I mean, 
there's real and substantial dollars that are being invested in this technology. And what is the technology? You know, it's really, I mean, really at the foundation, what NVIDIA has designed is a whole new computing architecture that can process information much more quickly by a, a good amount relative to what the prior architecture was, which was based upon Intel chips and, and things like that. So this is an important development. And what we're seeing right now is we're seeing you know, a tremendous number of companies trying to figure out how to take advantage of these gains. And then later on top of that, we're starting to see some of the applications that are being developed to take advantage of this really notable improvement in computing power. Obviously, the chatbots and the large language models, you know, those are some of the so far early candidates that are looking to take advantage of these capabilities. But what I would say is like, look, we're very, very early days here. And I would say this is not going to be a straight line. I think it's going to take years to figure out who the winners are going to be, what are the applications that are going to be developed, how much of a productivity savings will those be for businesses and households. But I think it's fair to assume that there will be productivity savings. And yeah, I know there's a lot of questions on jobs and things like that. I mean, I'm personally pretty optimistic when it comes to new technologies that the long sweep of human history is that new technologies just tend to make the economy much more productive, raise living standards. And yes, will there be some jobs that are affected? No doubt. Will the vast majority of jobs just be perhaps just more efficient? I think that's probably the most likely outcome. So if I had to sum it up, I would say, look, I think in general, you know, we think you want to be very selective within the AI universe because the stocks have had a huge run. But that being said, I think this is legitimate. And I think there's still a lot of uncertainties, though, around who the ultimate winners will be, especially on the application side. You know, who's going to come up with the killer apps that are really going to create a tremendous amount of value over time? And that, that story is just starting to get written. You know, it's going to take years to figure out the answers there. Mm-hmm. And John, just to wrap us up, one last question I have. So the Fed might be done with its most aggressive rate hiking program in over 40 years. What happens after the Fed pauses? So you bring a good point up is this has been the most aggressive rate hike in a long, long time. So it's hard to say with the Fed pausing now in June, do they continue to pause and see if inflation comes down on its own? Historically speaking, and again, it's hard to look at history when we've just gone through a kind of an abnormal uh, rate hike. But historically speaking, it's been positive for equity. See, S&P has averaged a little over 8% in the pursuing 12 months after the Fed pauses. And on a more positive note, it typically on average is around a four month time period after they pause when they start cutting interest rates. So will that happen this time? We don't know. But historically speaking, those are kind of the numbers that it has been positive for when the the Fed did pause. Great. That's good news after a year that we had last year. Yeah. Well, thank you all for joining our first of many quarterly podcasts. David, thank you again for joining us. We hope you found this informative, and as always, we're here to have additional conversations one-on-one to talk about your specific financial situation. So thank you again. We'll see you next quarter.